you're listening to the Hurdy Gurdy Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Vakula, here to help you travel the world at next to no cost through credit card points, miles, benefits, and rewards. Make money, save money, and take advantage of great deals. Visit my website at hurdygurdytravel.com where you can contact me, read episode transcripts, complete a free credit card questionnaire to receive tailored recommendations, follow me on social media, view helpful resources, and listen to past episodes. Thanks for joining me for episode 23, Gift Cards and Credit, with Stephen Pepper. We talk about saving money through great gift card deals, maximizing credit card rewards, and gift card reselling. Stephen Pepper hosts the website gcgalore.com, which offers daily updates evaluating new deals related to gift cards. This website doesn't only help resellers, it is also very good for helping people save significant money on everyday spend pretty much everywhere, including restaurants, gas stations, grocery stores, and office supply stores. In addition to his work at GC Galore, he also writes for Frequent Miler on the Boarding Area Network and No Home, Just Rome, detailing his five-year, 50-state road trip with his wife and dog. On to today's episode. All right. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Great. Can you tell listeners a little bit about yourself? I'm the owner of GC Galore, which covers a lot of all of the gift card deals I can possibly find. (laughs) In addition to that, um, I write part-time for Frequent Miler, and I also have my own travel website called No Home Just Rome, because my wife and I are on a five-year, 50-state road trip. And so um, that kind of covers everything that we actually get up to on the road trip itself. Nice. And I'll put those links in the show notes for listeners. And has the road trip plan changed at all with the current pandemic? We're recording here in April of 2020. It's changed a lot. Yeah. Um, At this point in time, my parents were actually meant to be coming over from the UK to join us on the road trip for six or seven weeks. And we had a kind of bucket list trip set up. So we were going to take them to Colorado Rockies. We were going to hit all five national parks in Utah. We were going to do the Grand Canyon and things like that. That ended up having to change because they were due to arrive on March 18th. And so we made the decision, I think it was like two or three days before they were due to fly over that we should just cancel the trip. And then Mm -hmm. as we literally made that decision, it was announced that they wouldn't have been allowed in the country anyway. So it was kind of... (laughs) (laughs) They they, they saved you some of the time, huh? Exactly, yeah. If the airline played ball there, uh, some some Mm -hmm. haven't been so kind in recent weeks of issuing refunds, right? (laughs) Yeah, so we were really fortunate. So we had... um, most of our reservations have been made at Airbnbs and all of those we were eventually able to cancel without any kind of penalty or, or anything like that. And then I think my parents got the money back for um, their plane tickets and things like that. So we went out of pocket, but it did end up destroying what we had planned for um, mm. this period of time. So my wife and I I'm just finished up three and a half weeks in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So we had gone there just to lay low and just to do the whole social distancing and stay at home thing. We just moved on to Pueblo, Colorado a few days ago where we're here for a month in an Airbnb. So similar case here, we're just not really doing anything other than going to the grocery store. We're hoping to get out and do like maybe a little bit of hiking if the trails aren't actually busy and it's kind of responsible enough to do that and um, we haven't actually ventured out anywhere yet to see kind of quite how busy it is so at this point in time we're just waiting it out just to see when it's going to be safe to properly travel again which i don't think is going to be for a little while yet 
right, so we're having to make some adjustments, but one thing is sure is that we'll be earning miles and points, but we'll be ready to travel after the smoke clears. Exactly, yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, our points ended up um, getting a nice boost as a result of my parents not coming, because even though um, a lot of the hotel, uh, a lot of the accommodation was booked to Airbnbs, we'd also booked um, some higher places and things like that along the way. So my World of Hired account ended up getting a nice boost back up, which is always nice to see. So. <laughs> yeah, harder to come by those points usually. Membership rewards are coming in and uh, lots of ways to get those, but uh, sometimes a little bit more difficult to get the Hyatt points and Chase points. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because a lot of the time I transfer over ultimate rewards, but yeah, not being able to go to Office Depot or Staples to take advantage of any deals there at the moment or um, and then like liquidating the gift cards. That's a lot harder right now because of the whole not making unnecessary trips out. So I haven't been doing any of that. So those balances haven't been going up quite as nicely, but still have a fairly healthy stash. So um, there's no urgency there. Yeah, some people not familiar with the community. I've heard this before. People say, oh, I don't think it's worth the effort. You're just, oh, it's not worth it just getting one flight or one flight a year. But <laughs> we're doing we're doing a lot more than that. They're really missing out on a lot of value. For some people, even like one flight a year, if, if the only time that you can get off to go on vacation is one flight a year for one trip, then that's one thing. But yeah, I know that a lot of us do enjoy taking more than one trip a year, even if it's, uh, <laughs> yes. even if it's just domestically rather than ne necessarily internationally. It's nice to be able to have more substantial balances so that, that way you've got the kind of flexibility to be able to do things like that. Right. It's, it's a lot more than there because we're doing a lot of purchasing gift cards. We're doing reselling. We're just putting our spend, our everyday spend on multiple cards to get all of these great bonuses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how, how did you get involved with credit card rewards and this, this community of all these people who are viewed as really strange to people who are just maybe <laughs> using that one credit card and getting 2% cash back or one mile for every dollar spent? Uh, we're, we're doing things a lot differently here. As you could probably tell from my accent, I grew up in the UK and I moved over here in 2009. So before that in the UK, I was always keen on things like cashback shopping portals and um, collecting grocery store points and things like that. But I was never really collecting airline miles or anything like that. But then when we moved over here, my first airline credit card was a Virgin Atlantic card, which I got in early 2010. And that was actually an expat card because I didn't have any kind of credit history built up here. I don't really know um, how they did it. It was issued by Bank of America, but it was specifically for expat. I don't know if they do an international credit check or anything like that, but I was able to get that, which was really helpful in building up my credit history. It wasn't until Almost four years later, though, that I got a Delta card from Amex. To be honest, I have no clue why I actually applied for that. I have a feeling I probably read something about it online um, and thought that it was a good idea. As I started earning miles on by putting all our spend on that, then it's like, oh, this is actually kind of nice, us earning all these miles. And then my wife got the same card. And then soon after that, I got the US Airways card. Um, that was before they finalized the merger with American Airlines. And that was where you get um, 50,000 miles just for one purchase. So the whole thing nice. was like buy a stick of gum from the grocery store or something yeah, like that, yeah. pay the 89 or $95 fee, whatever it was, and then you get 50,000 miles. And yeah, ever since then, I haven't looked back. So Yeah. Yeah. Why stop with just one card when you could just get so many more? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I started learning more about that and kind of like seeking out the different things. So then started reading Frequent Minor and Doctor of Credit and Miles to Memories and other sites like that. And so, yeah, just kind of progressed and learned as much as I possibly could. 
Yeah, a really great online community. I think so many great resources out there, really helpful people, some in-person meetups in the pre-pandemic world I've attended. Mm-hmm. Yes. Some people might think it's too difficult or it's just out of reach or you need to have all this money to do it. But I think a lot of people can get involved with credit cards and do a lot better than they're currently doing if they're just brand new to all this information. I would recommend just kind of starting to learn as much as you can, both on the earning side and the redemption side, because there's always going to be different ways. There's always going to be things changing, but the benefits far outweigh the cost time. Yeah, some people might get intimidated. Oh, you have 20 credit cards. I don't think I'd be able to do that. I say, well, just start small. Just get one, reach the sign up bonus, think about another card and, and see see what you can do. Yeah, yeah. There's certainly, certainly when you're early on in the whole process, it's definitely best not to put your foot to the floor and apply for 20 different credit cards immediately just because a trying to meet minimum spend on those when you're new to the whole concept of it could be hard juggling all your payments and things like that it could end up putting you in more trouble yes so start off slowly um apply for cards that will make the most use for the kind of travel that you want to do and then just gradually increase from there. Absolutely. And this has all led you to launch your website, gcgalore.com, giftcardgalore.com. Can you tell us about this? I'd been riding on frequent miler since the beginning of 2018. And so we'd often cover some of the best gift card deals on there. Sometimes that would be Visa and MasterCard gift card deals that would be Office Depot, Staples, Safeway, Kroger, and things like that. And then also some third-party gift card deals if they were particularly good, like if Best Buy had something going on or Kroger 4X fuel points and things like that. There were just, I was noticing as someone who was like buying and reselling gift cards, I noticed that there was a whole ton of deals that we simply didn't cover just because I don't think like the vast majority of the frequent mile of readership is necessarily into gift card reselling. So while it's helpful mm-hmm. to have some deals, it didn't make sense to only have a focus on that. So I'd been mulling it over just thinking that, yeah, it'd be really useful to put together a website that only focused on gift card deals. But I knew that that had the potential to take up a reasonable amount of time. So I put it on the back burner for a while but then it just kept coming up in my head, oh, this would be a good idea. This would be a good idea. And so I think it was probably something like three to six months later, I was like, okay, I can't shake this idea that it would be good to set up this website. So towards the end of 2018, then I set up GC Galore and it's just been pretty good since then. Nice. And even for people who aren't reselling or maybe aren't ready to do that or unknowledgeable, I think a lot of deals for just organic spend, your everyday spend of, oh, Here's a deal for Jiffy Loop, and you could save money on your oil change or local restaurants. What are some of the deals that you've included on the website? Oh, actually, yes, basically any kind of potential deal. Um, so whether it's 5% off, 10% off, 20% off or more, then I'll cover it no matter what the gift card brand is. So yeah, a lot of these deals aren't actually any good for gift card resellers, but it is incredibly helpful for personal use if you know that you're going to be um, having your car looked at and you're going to be making um, an appointment at Jiffy Lube. Take a look at all the current Jiffy Lube deals, um, stock up on a few gift cards now just in case that deal's not available by the time you come to have your car worked on and things like that. Or if you know that you often eat at Applebee's or something like that, take out from Applebee's now, I guess, um, (laughs) then then it might make sense to stock up on the gift cards when they're being sold for 20% off from somewhere rather than waiting until you're planning a trip um, to Applebee's or planning an order and then it's only available for, say, 10% off from Waze or something like that. So it can sometimes make sense to 
stock up on those. And on GC Galore, um, if you're looking at the desktop version of the site, if you look on the right hand side of the page, it has a list of every single possible gift card brand that ever goes on sale. And so you can click on a link to that and see what all of the current deals are. If you're looking on your cell phone, um, then you just need to keep scrolling down the homepage and then you'll eventually see that list. And a lot of stacking potential. I I remember Panera Bread had a deal where you bought a $50 Panera gift card and you got a $10 bonus card. Mm -hmm. So we're able to, say, buy happy gift cards at Office Depot. These are the cards that can just be used at multiple merchants. So the play at the time was, okay, Office Depot is selling happy cards for 10% off. You buy a $100 happy card, save $10, and then you could take that happy card to Panera, use that, and then you bought the happy card with, say, the Chasing Cash, and you got five times points on that. So it was a really significant discount at the time, being able to stack some of these things. Um, Some of the restaurant deals have offered some of the best stacking opportunities like that. And then also with things like MX offers as well. So in the past, Mm -hmm. there's been offers where for, say, Ruby Tuesday, where if you spend 30 bucks, then you get um, 10 bucks back or a thousand membership rewards on an Amex offer. And so when they're offering a similar kind of promo card deal, I think in the past they've had one where it was something like if you buy $50 worth of gift cards and you get a $20 bonus card and, and you could split a payment. So you could get $60 <laughs> worth of worth of Ruby Tuesday gift cards, split the payment on two Amex cards. So you get $10 back plus a thousand membership rewards, plus the $20 bonus card, plus the nice. $60 gift card in the first place. And then your net cost is only 50 bucks because you're only getting one statement credit because the other thousand membership rewards isn't an actual discount as such. But yeah, things like that can just be fantastic ways to save on gift cards and get rewarded at the same time. Yeah, for things that you would just be doing anyway, or I've changed some of my shopping patterns due to certain deals. I would talk to people and they say, oh, I never go to Giant. Say, well, if you do this, you will. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not paying paying for groceries because I'm using all of my grocery points. So I'm getting a significant discount. There's some, some fee on gift cards that I'll buy there from time to time. But it's a significant savings versus going to another store that doesn't offer any rewards program at all. Exactly. Yeah. And it feels like there's always some kind of deal going on at each of the main grocery stores. So Kroger, I'd say probably at least two weeks of each month, they'll have some kind of digital coupon offering for Forex fuel points. And that can save you up to 14% on gas, depending on the size of your gas tank. And then Safeway will often offer bonus reward points on certain gift card brands. And so if they're offering 8x, then that can be worth up to 20% off your gas. Um, but you can also apply it toward your groceries. That doesn't offer quite as much value potential there, but it's not a bad option if you don't really drive much or at all. So giant in your stop and shop deals as well, which can end up being pretty good because they sometimes offer deals on Visa gift cards and MasterCard gift cards. Right. In the Philadelphia area, I have Acme and Giant. So I'll use my gas points from Giant and then use the Acme points for groceries as it's, oh, turn in one point and get a 12 pack of Soleil sparkling water or use 10 points to get $10 off of groceries. So able to use many options there. Gas fuel points, they can be a little frustrating because even though we're on a full-time road trip, we don't actually spend a huge amount on gas um, each month because we only drive, I'd say, two and a half thousand miles each month, which isn't actually all that much compared to people who end up commuting every day for um, for their job. Um, but also our car only takes um, a maximum of 12 gallons. And so to max out the 
Kroger fuel points, you need to be able to fill up with 35 gallons. And so we can oh, only 35, fill up. 35, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a um, 35-gallon <laughs> limit, which is really nice wow. if you have a giant vehicle or you have two cars or something that you can fill up at the same time. But with only um, being able to fill up with 12 gallons, it means that we only kind of get a third of the benefits. So rather than saving 14%, our maximum savings on Kroger fuel points are only kind of 4 or 5%. So it doesn't work out quite as good for us. But if we're buying gift cards, getting some gas savings and then also paying with a card that earns more grocery stores for those gift cards in the first place, it's still not a bad deal. I'm just not quite as good as some people are able to maximize. Yeah, some of the daredevils uh, carrying around gas containers with them, Mm -hmm. taking those home and maybe (laughs) storing them. So. Uh, that's the thing. Just don't don't open a gas station in your basement, of course. But, yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I saw someone uh, getting uh, busted for that in Las Vegas, I think it was a few months back. Oh, serious? Wow. Yeah, that just sounds like an absolutely terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so with the groceries, I guess, uh, how much salsa and pandemic with all of the toilet paper, paper towels, rice, quinoa, all these uh, non-perishable items, right? Or things that would last for a while. Cliff bars for days. It's been really good. <laughs> Yeah, that's been one of the helpful things about um, living in hotels when the pandemic first hit is that we didn't actually have to worry about the toilet paper supply because thankfully <laughs> the, the hotels that we were staying at still had some. They started rationing it. So when you needed more, then they'd only give you one roll at a time. But yeah, it was nice not to have to worry about looking down empty shelves and not knowing what to do next. So <laughs> Yeah, always good to have a little bit of extra everything at home so there isn't a run on a particular product. Huh? Mm-hmm. And in the credit card space, we, we talked about stacking things, different multipliers, but a lot of people are buying a lot of gift cards to help them reach sign-up bonuses on cards where it's like, oh, spend 4000 in three months and get 50,000 bonus points. Can you talk about how this helps reach those spending goals? One thing that we, sh- I guess we should highlight first is that you shouldn't really do that if you're looking to meet the minimum spend on an American Express card because that can lead to you getting your um, bonus clawed back because Amex fans upon meeting minimum spend by buying gift cards. But with other banks like Bank of America and Chase and things like that, it's certainly less of an issue and it can just make meeting those minimum spend Um, requirements so much easier because if you would normally meet it by spending 100 bucks at a time at the grocery store it's going to take a while but if you throw in a 500 dollars visa gift card then you're immediately increasing that spend to 600 bucks which means that you need far fewer trips Um, and then because that only comes with a five dollar 95 activation fee and then it might um, it would usually cost less than a buck to liquidate that with a money order, then it just makes it such an easier, quicker and cheaper way of meeting minimum spend than certainly possible other methods. Right. And sometimes with those fuel rewards, grocery rewards or other promotions, lowering the activation fee, it's not it's not even that bad. And especially during the sign up bonus, you're you're getting that big boost of points. So I would say you're, you're up on it in many cases. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And especially if you can find any deals where it's profitable. And so um, you'll sometimes get digital coupons for Safeway where they'll give you um, $15 back if you buy two $100 Visa gift cards. And so that immediately becomes profitable by $3.10. And so that's nice. And then things like Office Depot and Office Max, when they're giving you um, 15 bucks when spending $300 or more on Visa gift cards, that's another way that you can easily back up that spend. And even third-party gift cards, potentially, GameStop had been fairly nice um, before oh, yes. the pandemic um, <laughs> hit because 
um, there had been a few occasions in the last, I guess, like six to nine months where they'd offered a 15% discount on GameStop gift cards. And if you were able to resell for 85% or above, then it means that you were either um, breaking even or making a profit on that. GameStop gift cards could be bought on variable low gift cards um, that could be loaded with up to 500 bucks at a time. And you could only buy one um, per dollar general store at a time because they had velocity limits. But I don't know about where you live in Pennsylvania, but um, everywhere that we were on the road trip, there was usually a good dozen dollar general (laughs) stores within within like a 10 mile drive. There were times where I ended up just taking an hour out of the day and just driving around half a dozen different ones just to pick up $3,000 worth of GameStop gift cards. And so that's just a really easy way to back up some spend or meet minimum spend while also either breaking even or making a profit. So Yeah, and pre-pandemic, I would find myself on the way to a casino as I usually go to play poker and I would just stop at places on the way. I'm not, say, taking a 20-minute detour to save or make two bucks. That's not going to mm-hmm. be worth it. But if we have these high-value deals and it's paired in with our normal commute, then I think that's a really good play. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, towards the end of last year, I think we were working on like a couple of minimum spends. And so um, that's why I was kind of making more effort to go a little bit out of my way. But yeah, certainly it's not worth your time and gas money driving around to make zero money unless you're earning enough or say you're meeting a big spend bonus on a credit card or something like that, that that might make a little bit more sense. But yeah, it's just helpful having those opportunities come along for some easy gift card spend at times. Oh, yeah. And I think one of the best deals last year was at Speedway, where it was buy a $100 Best Buy gift card at one point, Home Depot at other points, and they gave a $15 gas voucher and Speedway points that you could redeem for merchandise in the store or more gas. So I was going to multiple stores on my way. I would be driving from northeastern Pennsylvania to Atlantic City at the time, and I would just stop at speedways on the way, very slight detours and multiple transactions per stop. It was really, really good. I'm still working on some of the gas gift cards with nice. them, and I have tons of free coffee for quite a while, <laughs> as, as it seems. Yeah, I got... A little bit unlucky with that one because I can't remember where we were when they were running that deal, but it, it was when we weren't near any speedway um, gas stations. And I remember seeing some in like the week or two leading up to that. But because we tend to move every week or so on the road trip in normal times, then it means that we always have different gas stations and different grocery stores at our disposal. And so it just happened to be that during that period of time, there were zero speedway gas stations nearby, which was a little bit annoying because it does seem like we'll often end up missing all of the best deals just because. Uh-huh. We happen to not be where <laughs> particular deal is going on at that time. But it has also been nice because where we used to live in Virginia, there wasn't a Staples store anywhere nearby. Like the closest one was a good 45 minutes to an hour away. And so it was never worth driving up there for any Visa gift card deals. Whereas now we've come across their stores much more frequently on the road trip. So I have been able to take advantage of some deals. So it kind of swings and roundabouts as to becomes opened up for us. Nice. And for some listeners, yeah, you mentioned about how much to spend or what risks there can be. And I would think if people just go in and hammering it and say running up credit limits, paying it off, running it up, that's likely to get you shut down Mm -hmm. by credit card issuers. So I often suggest a more conservative approach of just gradual purchases over time using different cards to make the transactions rather than just hammering one card in particular, just to try to minimize this risk and keep all of your accounts alive. I tend to take a much more conservative approach than some people. So I don't cycle my credit limit or anything like that. So I guess if you're listening, you don't know what that means. It's basically where you kind of spend up to the limit on your credit card, pay it down before 
your monthly bill comes due and then run it up again and then pay it down again. So that kind of behavior banks can end up frowning upon some of them more so than others. Um, but that's not something that I generally do. So if I'm doing something like a GameStop deal, a Dollar General, I'll tend to spread that spend out on several different cards, which which are good because Dollar General, I don't think, tends to be bonus spend. And so it, I put that spend on cards that end a reasonable amount or have a big spend bonus, say a Radisson card or something like that, which earns 5x regardless of where you're doing it. And then if you spend $10,000, then you get a free night at any US property and things like that. So cards yeah. like that can be useful for those type of transactions. Yeah, and that's another thing to increase your spend with a lot of these high spend goals on cards. Like last year, I received status with Delta for some extra spend that I put, and they also had the miles boost feature. So I ended up getting more than two cents per point for everyday spend mm-hmm. and the status, which has given me seat upgrades and some other perks. So that, that's been that's been nice. You get these little things for at some point, you can only get so many cards in a short amount of time, and then you'll run into too many recent inquiries, some declines right so it's helpful to get these cards that have those higher spend goals as people are wondering oh what's the point of all this spend what are you going to do with it (laughs) we're getting even more value blue business plus is another one for the two times points up to fifty thousand spend Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of cards out there yeah definitely spending without really spending too much if we're getting into the reselling that we're kind of investing here can you give us an overview of the gift card reselling the way that works is generally that you'll find some kind of deal on gift cards. Say your grocery store has a digital coupon offering $10 off when buying a $50, $50 gift card um, for a certain brand. And so your net cost is $40. And then it might be that you can resell that gift card for either $40 or more. That way you make you either break even or you make a small profit. Along with that, then you'll earn the credit card rewards, plus you might make a few bucks along the way as well. And so that's kind of the absolute basics of um, gift card reselling. So when I first started doing this a few years ago, I started off by selling to Cardpool and Cardcash. And back then there was another site called Savior as well, but that one's closed down since. And so the rates that you get from them aren't particularly great, but they can be good potentially when you're first starting out. Otherwise, you can list your gift cards on Raise and sell directly to other people that way. I think there's like a 12% commission um, rate that Raise take out of that. So that can affect some of the profitability. But depending on the amount that you're actually charging, you might still be able to break even or profit there. So with gift card reselling, there's definitely risk there. Um, So if you're selling on Raise, it might be that someone claims that the value isn't there when they come to use the gift card, in which case Raise will refund them and then you're charged for that. Other times there have been issues with other sudden gift card resellers. So there was a company called The Plastic Merchant that that went under a few months. Actually, it's probably more like two, two and a half years ago now, maybe, um, were a somewhat big business in the gift card reselling world. And so what they would do is they would offer to buy gift cards from you at a certain rate. And so that was nice because it meant that you didn't have to wait particularly long to get payments. So they would pay out within, say, two to four weeks, but you would get a guaranteed rate. So with, say, the Dollar General GameStop deal, you could go out safe in the knowledge that you could buy those gift cards at 85%. And then the plastic merchant guaranteed to buy them if you reserve the capacity, um, they would guarantee to buy it at say like 85% or 86% or something. So you knew that you would be getting that guaranteed rate rather than having to float the balance forever on raise. And so that was super nice until the plastic merchant 
disappeared like all of a sudden the payments started bouncing um the guy was non-communicative he's currently going into bankruptcy at the moment and so a lot of people actually lost a reasonable amount of money there we ended up losing out by about a thousand bucks which um absolutely sucked but it wasn't complete like hardship as such it didn't mean that we weren't able to put the next meal on the table or anything like that but i did hear stories of people losing five figures and potentially six figures um reselling to him because they had been stocking up on amazon gift cards and things like that which attracted a higher resale rate when i heard that some people lost potentially six like the low six figures then that just kind of made me sick to my summer kind of imagining how i would have felt if that was me where all of that money's just gone forever basically yeah with gift card reselling never do it more than you could actually afford to lose basically there is some risk and but then that increases your reward but yeah if it's going to be a case where if you being able to resell gift cards means that you won't be able to make your mortgage or rent payment then certainly rethink the level at which you're reselling all right so now there there are some websites and some trusted sellers that are out there that people work with so it is still it still is alive Oh, oh, absolutely. Yes. So um, after The Plastic Merchant, I didn't really do any reselling for a few months, but I started reselling, it was about a year, year and a half ago to a company called The Card Bay. I've covered them before on GC Galore. So if you um, use the search bar on GC Galore to look up The Card Bay, then that I've produced a guide to how to resell with them. I'm not 100% sure if they're taking any new applications at the moment, just due to the general nature of the current gift card reselling market. It's certainly worth being aware of them and so they've been a really good company to um sell to and then there were like kind of private groups buy and resell gift cards and things like that and then you've always got ways and things like that so yeah there are definitely other outlets out there where you might be able to get better deals than you would necessarily get from card cash and cardboard because the rates that you'll get from them generally aren't all that profitable so that kind of limits how many good gift card reselling opportunities there are Right. So it's a math problem in some sense, because you're not just going to go to Applebee's and buy a gift card at full cost and then sell it for like 80%. That, that won't make sense. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's <laughs> waiting for the good deals, pairing things and coming out ahead or at least breaking even on it to get the credit card rewards, reach the sign up bonuses, the high spend goals. Exactly. Yeah. And so some of the ways that I first started getting started with gift card reselling was when I noticed that Amex offers provided the opportunity at times to be able to have good deals. So I think early on, there was one where they were offering maybe 15% back or 20% back at Best Buy. And so I was like, okay, so I could buy a Best Buy gift card um, (laughs) and then resell that and make like a dollar or two profit. And as I started getting into that thinking then i started spotting more opportunities with things like chase offers and amex offers and digital coupons for grocery stores and just general sales that come up every now and again at different stores and so keep an eye out for opportunities like that so basically anywhere that has a third-party gift card rack like lowe's home depot grocery stores bed bath and beyond if you ever see spending offers on your credit card for things like that like with amex offers then that's one potential opportunity to be able to buy a discounted gift card. Recently, some Amex offers, it was 10% off lows up to 1000 in spend. Mm-hmm. So that was a really good one. And multiple offers for staples have been on the Amex cards recently, too. Definitely, yeah. And so, yeah, the staples and those ones have been absolutely fantastic um, for saving 10%. So that isn't always great for resending. It depends on what kind of um, rates you can get for certain brands. But if nothing else, that it can be absolutely fantastic for personal use, being able to save 10% off a wide range of gift card brands because 
your lows especially all the stores that i've been in over the last year or two tend to have grocery store gift cards on their gift card back as well so i've seen like safeway albertson giant kroger stop and shop and things like that so if nothing else save 10 bucks or, uh, save 10 percent on your groceries but they also have guest gift cards amazon best buy pretty much any of the main gift card brands that you could possibly want and so yeah it can be good for reselling and just good for saving money from day to day yeah and visa gift cards as well Lowe's. yeah so with Lowe's, i had been tempted to do that but then i don't know if this is the case at all their stores now but the highest denomination now was only 200 dollars, and so that ended i've been hoping to buy some 500 dollars gift cards from there to max it out much more easily but then um buying five of the $200 gift cards meant that there was going to be activation fees or something like 30 or um, $30 or so. Um, I can't remember if they were five ninety five or six ninety five, dollars um, which still isn't a bad deal. Like it's free cash, basically. Mm-hmm. You're still up like uh, six or 7% on that. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I've tended to do is either buy guest gift cards because I know the world eventually spend money at Shell or BP, but also stock up on Airbnb gift cards for 10% off because we stay at Airbnb's a reasonable amount and just based on our road trip, then it's always helpful to have a good supply of those because I know that we'll definitely end up spending that down. Yeah. And pretty easy. If, even if you're carrying a second wallet or you have some kind of safe or you store all the gift cards I'll, before leaving, like today I went to Giant and I had a Giant gift card that I just took out of my safe, put in my wallet, pretty easy to manage. I keep track of the balances. It's not that much of a hassle. It's, it's really easy and the savings are really great. Yeah. And there was a fantastic deal. I think it was three or four years ago where there was an Amex offer for Sam's Club. And I can't remember the exact details. I feel like they gave back something like 12.5%, and this was available on business cards. So because they sell Visa gift cards, like Walmart and Sam's Club gift cards tend to be fairly profitable for reselling as well. And so you could go in, buy gift cards, get the statement credit from the MX offer, and then you'd come out ahead. But back then, what was even better is that you could load an Amex offer to all of your cards. And so if you had multiple business (laughs) cards, then you could add it to all of those cards. And then some people gained it to the nth degree where Amex allowed you to have 99 additional users. And back then you could add it to every single one of those cards. So some people were literally going to sam's club and maxing it out with a hundred different cards basically they've eventually caught on to that and that's why they kind of closed the loophole where you can only add it on to add an off onto one card per kind of social security number and so that's a bit of a shame now plus they clawed back similar things where people did that with a staples amex offer as well so people went out spent a whole bunch of money at staples using a 10 percent off amex offer did that on all of their authorized user cards and then amex came back and said you know what? That's not kind of going by the spirit of what we wanted. So we're actually <laughs> going to claw all that money back. And so some people who did max that out with 99 authorized user cards ended up getting a bill for like a hundred bucks per card or something like that effectively, which, oh, wow. which is pretty like <laughs> sickening as well. If you're in that yeah, position, I, I never gained some, it like that, but um, yeah, some of these, some of these methods you think like, Oh, there's no way that's going to work. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, I'm just going to stay away from that one. Like, so, so yeah, some people trying to find some tricks and loopholes but uh to such a big scale like that probably not going to get through so yeah there is that degree of risk i've always felt a lot more cautious about that kind of thing just because i don't want to bring eyeballs onto my accounts by having them shut down for any kind of behavior like that just because i find having my cards much more 
useful than not having them. And so I've never maxed that out. But at the same time, um, if you live by the motto of go big or go home, and that approach certainly worked with the Sam's Club Amex offer. So at the time, there wasn't necessarily any reason to think that Amex would claw back all the Staples credits just because they hadn't done that for past offers or for Sam's Club or anything like that. So yeah, it was just kind of unfortunate if you (laughs) got caught up in that thinking that you weren't going to be at risk because it turned out that you were. Yeah, although it's not all like um, some some people say, oh, I don't want to risk anything that if I buy one gift card at a grocery store, I'm going to get shut down. But I, I really haven't seen that. It usually seems to be the cycling, as we mentioned, that gets people shut down, um, just dramatic changes in spend. If you're just uh, going with like a low to moderate approach, I, I don't think it should be any kind of issue. Exactly. Yeah. And some um, cards come with an upper limit on how much you can actually earn in the first place. And that seems to be done by the banks in the full knowledge that some people will be buying gift cards. So so with the Amex Gold card, then they have a limit on 4X grocery spending of $25,000. And so the vast right. majority of people aren't going to be spending 25000 bucks a year at the grocery store. So I think they've done that in the knowledge that some people will buy gift cards, but it also does limit how much people can take advantage of that offer and similar kind of thing with the chasing plus as well they put a limit of fifty thousand dollars on office supply spending at 5x and then i think the chasing business cash is limited to twenty five thousand at five percent yeah um so i don't have that card but yeah I thought that was 25k on that one. So the majority of businesses aren't going to be spending 25,000 or $50,000 a year at Staples or Office Depot or anything like that. But that way they do limit some of how kind of quite how much people will end up spending there on gift cards and things like that to max out those limits. Right. It's nice to know what the rules are rather than them just all of a sudden deciding to shut down or imposing something or things being unclear. So if they say, okay, 25 and that's fine, then okay, we could play with 25. That's, that's, that's a decent amount. Exactly. Yeah. And it's probably best not to like go out in January and spend 25,000 and and then think about it. Yeah. Certainly space out like a couple of thousand every month and then that'll get you to 25,000 by the end of the year. So um, that's like, if you go grocery shopping every week, that's just one $500 Visa gift card a week. So it's actually not all that hard to max it out if you don't mind getting a money order each week too while you're at the grocery store, if that's an option for you. Right. And I, I just wait for the deals anyway. So I, I wouldn't find myself just buying a gift card if there wasn't a deal on it. I'll wait for the deals. And I know with the rest of the year remaining, I'll have enough time to hit those caps and get those bonuses, reach those goals. Absolutely. That won't be a problem. Yeah, and then towards the end of the year, kind of around Thanksgiving time as well, there are often a lot of other gift card deals that get introduced. So um, Kroger can be good about this. They'll load up like 30 different digital coupons, which will give (laughs) you, um, it'll be like, say, buy two gift cards worth $50 and you'll get $10 back. And so some of them aren't particularly profitable for reselling, but other ones are. And so they'll often have a, 4x fuel points digital coupon at the same time so that can be particularly lucrative time to get some grocery spending in but even yeah just throughout the year just keep an eye out on your local grocery store chains keep an eye on their digital coupons and i guess keep an eye on gc galore there were probably all kinds of other regional grocery stores around the country that offer when i was listening to one of your podcasts the other night you mentioned is it weiss or vice um which i had never actually heard of before so that's on my radar now to check that because it looks like they have gift card deals so yeah just keep an eye out for your smaller grocery store chains in case they have deals too weiss usually has the holiday rewards which have been pretty nice where you can exchange i believe it's 500 points or 400 points for a tofurkey or vegan ham and they have many other things and those can usually go for 
like $12, $15 a piece. So that, that was really good. And sometimes they have deals with the happy cards as well. So you're getting one point per dollar spent on the gift cards. And if there's a deal on it, like 4X, 5X, or some other kind of discount, then that could be that could be quite an offer there. Mm, nice deal. Yeah. And some of the coding, I think, is something to mention. You mentioned about American Express, but some retailers like Staples, they'll send what people refer to as the level three data, where say Amex would see, okay, this transaction was made at Staples and this is what you purchased. Some merchants send that data, others don't. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, that can be one of the reasons why it's good to not buy gift cards when you're working on a minimum spend on an American Express gift card because they do get this information from grocery stores and office supply stores and things like that um, where they can actually see a breakdown of um, the things that you bought. And so if that happens, if you've been trying to spend, say, $3,000 within three months on a new Amex card and um, a reasonable amount of that spend was done with gift cards, then Amex might come back and say, you know what, although you did physically spend that, um, our terms and conditions exclude gift card purchases. So we're going to take back um, those bonus points or those miles that you earned. And so you can end up potentially with a negative balance if you've really tried redeeming those and things like that. So um, level three data isn't great from a sign up bonus point of view. But at this point in time, um, buying gift cards after you've met your minimum spend requirement, it's actually not particularly risky, although there is the potential in the future for American Express and potentially other banks to change their minds. So, for example, if you buy Visa gift cards from Simon Malls um, because they have the $1,000 Visa gift cards, you won't earn any kind of points on American Express cards whatsoever from there. And I think that's the same for purchases from giftcards.com and gift card mall because they know that people are buying gift cards solely from there at those kind of quantities, then you won't end up earning any points whatsoever. So it's always best for those kind of purchases to use a card from Chase or Bank of America or City or something like that but it might be that with level three data that american express gets more strict with grocery store spending it might be that chase and city and things like that in the future um try to prevent gaming but at the same time with people spending much less on their cards at the moment i'm hoping that we'll see less activity from the banks on that side of things just because at the moment they're probably just wanting to encourage people to use their cards in the first place rather than penalize them for doing so right yeah and it, cha- it changes over time as you mentioned and you talk about some of these things on your website you mentioned doctor of credit so it's not like we're going going and looking at the flyer for every single grocery store or every single store and looking through all the newspapers because that would take a very long time Mm -hmm. but thanks to you thanks to others in the community who archive this data people who chat in groups there's a lot of information sharing out there so it makes this really possible yeah and doctor of credit can be a fantastic resource for um especially like with bank rules and things like that they have they've created application tips for each for each card issue and things like that and then i write on frequent mile and we've got that type of um information too and um, things like the best offers for when you're applying for new credit card and things like that so it's definitely worth reading sites like doctor credit frequent mile and things like that just because there's a lot of Im- important information to know and so that way that can help you max out the rewards that you earn from everyday spend but also with your sign up bonuses too especially because with things like american express you can only get one sign up bonus per lifetime um for the most part Unless you downgrade a card and then get an upgrade offer and things like that. Applying when it's at its kind of historical high welcome offer, then that can certainly make more sense rather than applying for a Delta card when it's only earning 30,000 sky miles or something like that. The gold 
one sometimes goes up to like 70,000. I think maybe, did that one go up to 80,000 recently? Or 80, was that I think platinum? it was 80,000, yeah. yeah. It's definitely worth keeping an eye on those, um, especially with American Express, just to be able to max those out. And also Chase, to an extent, given that their 524 rule means that it's harder to be able to get their cards as frequently and things. So definitely worth putting a priority on getting at least one or two of their cards when you're first starting out, just so you don't find yourself further down the road, locked out of the Ultimate Rewards ecosystem, unless you simply don't apply for any new cards for a lengthy period of time. Right. I think the strategy is really important as I see some people in some groups are like, oh, I'm just going to apply for all these cards, or all these different banks, and they're not even getting big sign-up bonuses. They're not even getting great rewards. Mm-hmm. So taking the time to just think about what you want to do, what are some of your goals that you have and how to take advantage, yes, of those harder to get cards, of those increased offers. It would be a shame to just blast through and miss all the chase cards, not get any cards with Barclays, giving up so much in the process. Even for people who don't travel, cashing out those ultimate rewards points, they're still getting a cent per point. So with those 50,000 point sign-up bonuses, that's $500 right there. Exactly, yeah. And I got incredibly lucky in that I applied for the Chasing Plus card. Um, I think it was a couple of months before they discontinued it. And so and that was nice being able to get in on that 5x spending at office supply stores and then my wife managed to get the chase sapphire reserve card just before i think they changed the rules on 524 and things like that and so so yeah certainly if you can get at least one or two of their ultimate rewards earning cards just say like the freedom or freedom unlimited although you are earning effectively cashback um if you only have those particular cards what you can do at a later date is upgrade that card to a chase sapphire preferred or reserve or something like that so that that way you can then transfer those to transfer partners um which can be helpful if you've kind of missed out on the opportunity to apply for one of those premium cards due to other applications so um if you have one of those lower cards it doesn't mean that you're forever going to be locked out of the opportunity to transfer to hired or to united and things like that Yeah, it's a a good point. So I think a lot of people starting, maybe they're unaware of 524 and they just breeze past it and then it's too late. Oh, I'm not going to wait 20 months to Mm -hmm. get back in because there's (laughs) too much opportunity cost there. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of lots of considerations. And that's one thing that I provide. I, I offer some people some suggestions and advice. So listeners, if you use that credit card questionnaire link at the top of the page or the contact form, I'm more than happy to give you some suggestions. Yeah, that's definitely helpful. Like when you're, because when you're first starting out, then you don't really know what you don't know. And so having that kind of guidance can um, certainly be useful just so that way you can have a good base to start out from. And then from there, it kind of matters a little bit less in terms of um, what card you apply for from there. Yeah, in many cases, people don't know what they're missing. Whereas before I got into this game, it was, oh, well, I got an offer in the mail for a $100 sign-up bonus. That sounds great. Let's go get it, right? But now I'm thinking of, okay, if I'm signing up for a new card, I, I want more than $500 in value in that first year, even more than 700, 800. And it could change from card to card because now uh, once you get deeper in, it's harder to find those amazing cards, but you're still looking for some good value rather than just settling for those really low sign-up bonuses and very low earning potential. Yeah. And one thing I guess as well is that if you're just starting out, then you will end up making mistakes. And it's something that um, we all do. So try not to kick yourself too hard. Yeah, just 
learn from those uh, mistakes, basically, because it will happen. Even people who are experienced will end up making mistakes. So it um, can be worth doing if you have a card that has an annual fee that you don't need anymore. It's often possible to downgrade that to a card that has no annual fee um, just mm-hmm. to keep it open because that helps preserve the length of credit history on that card. For the most part, it's not going to be worth putting any spending on them, but it's good to put a transaction or two on there every six months or so, so that you don't end up losing that card. Unfortunately, I made a mistake a few months ago where I'd been lazy. I even have a calendar reminder set up to remind me to put spend on my like soft drawer <laughs> cards, but I got lazy. Yeah. I was thinking, okay, it doesn't matter. I put a transaction on them six months ago. I'll do it again in a few months. It's fine. So I think it was City ended up closing. Um, oh, City. A, <laughs> yeah, it, they, they ended up closing. It was um, American Airlines. I think my one had been transferred to a mile up card already, and my wife had the bronze version, which was a no annual fee one. And so it meant that we missed out on those, but it's a shame because I would have loved to have product change those to a double cash card because we don't have any 2% cards at the moment. But it means that that's not an opportunity at the moment because I don't want to apply for the double cash card brand new just because it takes up a 524 um, application slot and there's no sign up bonus. So it's not really worth right. applying for it right now. Whereas we could have just product changed to that if I hadn't actually let the other cards go to waste. So yeah, downgrading product changing also a good option. Because Some people say, oh, well, I don't want this card with the big annual fee because it won't make sense to pay it later on. But you have those and the retention offers where they'll give you some points or they'll waive the annual fee even if you decide to keep the card and make that five minute phone call while you're driving wherever you're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely worth doing because we certainly had American Airlines cards and other ones in the future where they've just simply waived the annual fee. And so it's been worth keeping around. And that was particularly nice back in the day when you would get the 10% of the miles you redeem back up to, I think it was 10,000 miles a year or something like that. And so in the past, if you had to pay the annual fee, then those miles you got back would potentially offset that. But having no annual whatsoever made that even nicer but that benefits being next from those cards now but yeah it's still always worth calling up to try and get some kind of attention offer whether that's a waived annual fee or bonus points or things like that it's the worst that happens is that they say no and um if that happens then so be it and then you can make a decision then but you might get something out of it so it's always worth a try good good and what about some upcoming applications do you have some cards in mind for the next few months i do want to make some applications but at this point in time, I've just had a hard time actually picking which ones to get because of the lack of travel at the moment. We have a fairly decent number of airline and hotel point, airline miles and hotel points. And so on the hotel points front, then I'm not really feeling any need to add to those through applications. Airline miles, I'm, I've been tempted to apply for like JetBlue cards, especially because their business card um, wouldn't show up on 524 and that's offering 60,000 points. But I'm just struggling as to whether it's worth doing that at the moment, just with all the uncertainty regarding airlines at the moment. And so I'll probably end up applying for them anyway, just because like no risk, no reward and things like that. But at the same time, I may also try and put more of a focus on cashback um, credit cards um, or transferable currencies, because things like earning thank you points or ultimate rewards or membership rewards kind of lessens your risk because if one airline goes out of business, then all that means is with the transferable currencies is that they might lose a transfer partner, rather, whereas your points are still intact, basically. So I need to kind of look at all our different options. And my wife's under 524 at the moment, which has actually been really nice. And so we just finished the minimum spend requirement for chasing business preferred for her. 
And so what we what we may do is I might refer her to the higher card because I have that. So that means that I get 5,000 bonus points and she will get 50,000 if she spends, I think it's 6,000 in six months because we always have use for world higher points. And so that would be um, pretty useful to get that. Good. Yeah. The JetBlue business card I have, they gave me a $1,000 credit limit. So it was a little bit harder to reach the sign up bonus on that, but it, it went through. Uh, the payment process took a little bit of time, but it was okay. It was a little first world problem there of just having a low credit limit. But I, yeah, I hit that. I hit the spend goal on that. It was the 60,000 miles. So yeah, really good deal there. And especially with Barclays, they could be harder to get later on. So if you're under 524, pretty close to it, the approval chances go up there. Yeah. And so, yeah, certainly on the business side of things, then may end up um, doing something like that. But certainly in terms of our organic spending at the moment, it's not particularly high because for the foreseeable future, we'll probably be booking stays at Airbnbs rather than hotels. And because we have a supply of Airbnb gift cards, then that means that we won't need to put any more outlay on those. And then our only other spending at the moment generally is on grocery stores. And so that's not overly high either at the moment. So there are still like gift card opportunities and things like that. If we were going to sign up for some kind of Amex card, then that wouldn't be an option to help meet minimum spend. But also we're trying to be responsible and not taking unnecessary trips out. Then that kind of limits how much manufactured spending it's possible to do. At the same time, we still have to go out to the grocery store. So picking up a Visa gift card or something like that each time we do end up having to do that isn't a huge deal. So it might not be too bad meeting minimum spend under the current pandemic conditions. So Yeah, I'm lying a little bit low here. I have two Amex sign-up bonuses that I'm working on and they sent an email saying an additional three months to reach the sign-up bonus. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So yeah, they've all been extending that too. So The ones I have are modest. It's the business green. So I have about 2000 to go on that. And the Delta business gold, about 1500 to go, I believe. So that's not bad. I have another four or five months to reach those bonuses. And I'm waiting to apply for the altitude reserve. So I'm holding off on some inquiries at the moment, which works during this time since, yes, the spending is down. But still some ways to spend from home, still some deals online. We'll see. We'll see what comes of this all. Yep. So yeah, at the right. mo- at the moment with some of the gift card spending, then I'm just putting it on cards at the moment where I'm wanting to either spending category bonuses or like hit high spend bonuses and things like that on Madison and Hilton cards. Um, but yeah, certainly using those gift card opportunities for meeting minimum spend can certainly be much more rewarding on a kind of per point basis. Mm-hmm. And that's the US Bank Radisson card that you have? Um, yeah, so I have um, both the personal and the business and then my wife has the personal version as well so and you can earn up to three certificates per year so between the three cards that's potentially up to nine cards we haven't gotten anywhere near enough spend yet to um, be able to max all of those out but i figured that those certificates could potentially come in handy for domestic travel given that most of our travels at the moment are within the us all right very good any closing thoughts can't think of anything in particular i feel like we've covered a fair bit of ground over the last hour or so all right, good. Yeah, went went by very fast there. Mm. Yeah, thank you for <laughs> having right. me on. Yeah, and and again, how can people find you online? If you could mention your websites again, some social media or whatever other presence you have for listeners. On the gift card front, then there's gcgalore.com. And then you can either subscribe via email on the website or you can follow us on um, Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, it's gcgalore.com, like com. And then if you just search for GC Galore on Facebook, then you'll find us there. If you're interested in our road trip, then that's no home, just Rome. 
And then you can find us on Instagram and Facebook there as well. And also um, be sure to check out Frequent Milo, not just for me, but especially for Nick and Greg, because they're <laughs> the ones who create the vast majority of the content. If you haven't been on there recently, then we have a challenge coming up that starts, I think it's this Sunday. So we were going to be doing, we originally planned to be doing a travel challenge. But then, then we had to cancel those plans. But we have a kind of stay at home um, challenge called Stay to Far Away. And so I'm thinking that's going to be like kind of fun and quirky over the coming weeks as well so keep an eye out for that because that should be a lot of fun yeah we'll see some interesting cooking going on and yes some other, uh, <laughs> travel videos without traveling so yes. that'll be yeah they've been doing some live streams as well in the meantime there's certainly still opportunities to rack up some points and miles for when it does return so um this can just be a good opportunity to focus on that for now rather than the whole redemption side of things all right thanks for your time today well cool, thanks for having me on Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more content. Visit my website at hurdygurdytravel.com where you can contact me, read episode transcripts, complete a free credit card questionnaire to receive tailored recommendations, follow me on social media, view helpful resources, and listen to past episodes. Support my work through Patreon, PayPal, the Cash App, and referral links by visiting the Donate tab on my website. Subscribe on YouTube at Hurdy Travel Podcast. Like my Hurdy Travel Podcast Facebook page, Follow HG Travel Podcast on Twitter and Justin Vakula on Instagram. Schedule a free 15-minute consultation with full-time business coach and YouTuber Kegology, who can help you formally establish your business, build business credit, and get premium business credit cards. When you select from various paid services after your free consultation, I will receive credit for referring you. Listen to Cakeology on episode 12 of my podcast. Visit my other podcast at StoicSolutionsPodcast.com, where you can find practical wisdom for everyday life inspired by the ancient philosophers of Greece and Rome. Thanks to generous patrons and fans of this podcast who help support my work. Have a great day.